Good morning. This is Long Island Morning Edition on 88.3 WLIW-FM, heard in Western Suffolk on 96.9 FM. I'm Michael Mackey. New York Governor Kathy Hochul and key state lawmakers want to abolish a 43-year-old state law that requires utilities to routinely connect natural gas lines to most new industrial sites, businesses, and homes in a practice they say drives up utility bills for all New Yorkers and is counter to the state's effort to combat climate change. Michael Gormley reports on Newsday.com that this provision of New York State Public Service Law is referred to as the 100-foot rule, which dates back to 1981. The rule requires energy companies to hook up any new manufacturer, business, or home to its gas line if the transmission line is within 100 feet of the structure and the customer wants the hookup. The connection is provided at no charge to the new customer, and the cost is then spread among all gas ratepayers. Supporters of eliminating the rule estimate that it costs ratepayers between $200 and $300 million statewide per year. Governor Hochul's recent call to end the rule is similar to a bill in the New York State Legislature known as the NY Heat Act. Both efforts are aimed at transitioning energy in New York away from fossil fuels such as natural gas, which create greenhouse gases and contribute to global warming. Natural gas companies and the state's biggest labor union, both of which have great influence in Albany, oppose ending the 100-foot rule. They argue it will cost good-paying jobs and increase utility bills by reducing the use of natural gas. A mastic Long Island man allegedly fired four shots from a rifle as he approached his father on the second floor of a Riverhead concrete facility this past Saturday afternoon, according to a criminal complaint. Grant Parpan reports on Newsday.com that Anthony Almeida, 43, first tried to enter the locked office of his father, Joseph Almeida, who owns Cross Island Concrete on Cromer Avenue. Joseph Almeida then asked his son to go downstairs before the son fired from the Ruger 9mm rifle at 3.15 p.m. The court document obtained by Newsday shows Anthony Almeida then barricaded himself inside the building for several hours, police and court officials said. His father managed to safely exit the building shortly after the shots were fired. Multiple law enforcement agencies responded to the scene of the shooting, including hostage negotiators with the Suffolk County Police Department, Riverhead Police said in a news release. The area, which includes a neighboring indoor pool facility and church, was cordoned off by the police. Officers with the Suffolk County Police Department's Emergency Services Unit brought Almeida into custody on Saturday at 6.57. Officials at Eastern Suffolk BOCES will host educators from across Long Island this coming Friday, January 26th, in one of the first regional training sessions on New York State's updated guidelines regarding transgender and gender-expansive students. The Long Island-based LGBT network also plans to hold its first training for school officials on the guidelines, as well as other topics, during the network's annual youth conference at Suffolk County Community College in March. 
Joy Tyrell reports on Newsday.com that guidance from the New York State Department of Education, which instructs educators on how to handle student pronouns, restrooms, and other issues, was issued in June. A Suffolk County Supreme Court justice has dismissed the discrimination lawsuit that Charlene Cagle Betts, the former village administrator for Southampton Village, brought against the village and then Mayor Jesse Warren last year. Brendan J. O'Reilly reports on 27East.com that in a decision dated January 12th, but not electronically filed until this past Friday, January 19th, Justice Christopher Modulewski granted motions by Warren and the village to dismiss the lawsuit and denied a motion by Cagle Betts' legal team that had asked the court to demand that the village of Southampton release an investigator's report concerning an internal complaint she made to the village of Southampton prior to bringing a lawsuit. Cagle Betts' lawsuit claimed that Warren subjected her to age and gender discrimination, a hostile work environment, retaliation, and slander. The justice wrote that Cagle Betts, quote, vague, conclusory, and generalized allegations of adverse employment actions are insufficient to sustain an age and gender discrimination plan. The claim, quote, the sum and substance of the adverse actions appear to be based upon plaintiff's misunderstanding of her role and function as village administrator, and more importantly, that she was not appointed to serve as Warren's chief of staff. Justice Majlewski also noted that Cagle Betts did not allege that any discriminatory or disparaging comments were made by Warren regarding her age or gender, that she was treated any differently due to her age or gender. New York State's conservative party leaders are backing former President Donald Trump for the White House ahead of tomorrow's New Hampshire Republican primary, citing massive support for the Queen's native from rank-and-file members. The evidence is there's overwhelming support in the conservative party for Donald Trump, New York State Conservative Party Chairman Gerard Kasser said. Kasser said Trump, 77, will curb illegal immigration and help rein in the U.S.-Mexico border crisis that has spiraled out of control under President Biden. There's no place that can handle the population of migrants coming into the country. The numbers of migrants arriving here is way past what's manageable. Allowing everyone in is not a policy, said Kasser. Carl Campanile reports in the New York Post that the Conservative Party is the third largest vote-getter in the Empire State after the Democratic and Republican parties earning the line C on the ballot. The Conservative Party often, though not always, aligns with the Republican Party in supporting right-of-center candidates, particularly for president. The New York Republican Party primary will be held on April 2nd. East Hampton Village will once again make its coveted non-resident beach parking permits available to East Hampton town residents at a discounted price for one day only and only if purchased in person tomorrow at the East Hampton Emergency Services Building on North Main Street in East Hampton Village. Michael Wright reports on 27East.com that, as with last year, the permits will go on sale at 9 a.m. Tuesday at a cost of $500 each. They will only be available at that price 
tomorrow. It will go on sale online on February 1st for $750. The application form that must be submitted to East Hampton Village staff at the in-person sale tomorrow is available at easthamptonvillage.org. Drivers concealed, obstructed, or used bogus license plates to dodge 224,000 tolls a month last year at Metropolitan Transportation Authority bridges and tunnels, as well as an annual total of nearly 20,000 Suffolk County camera tickets, according to data obtained by Newsday. Alfonso A. Castillo and Lorena Mangelli report on Newsday.com that bridge and tunnel evasions were more than double compared with 2019, according to figures obtained through a public records request. Plate cheaters cost the MTA about $46 million in toll revenue in 2022. Suffolk County, meanwhile, could not bill 19,763 automatic red light tickets last year because of obstructed plates, up 8% from 2019. At Port Authority crossings, tolls that couldn't be billed doubled from five years ago to 191,368 on average each month through November. Those numbers include obstructed and fraudulent plates, as well as transaction errors, weather-related issues, and plates not registered with the State Department of Motor Vehicles. It has said it has lost about $40 million in total unbillable tolls. While down from a peak in 2021, experts and officials expect the problem will only get worse as toll collections ramp up with the MTA's $1 billion a year congestion pricing plan, which would charge most drivers $15 to enter Manhattan. This has been Long Island Local News on Long Island's only NPR station, WLIW-FM. I'm Michael Mackey.